One of the disadvantages of living in your mom's basement is that when mama wants a new podcast, mama gets a new podcast. Welcome to the Down Rabbit. You should probably know that my mother and I disagree about a couple of things in Baltimore. We featured this on our last episode, Adnan, 127 Dons, and the Pea Guy. A whole bucket of things have happened since that episode. Most importantly, a jailbreak proudly manifested by the author of Fatty Fatty Boom Boom, Rabia Chaudhry. If you've been in a coma, in a coffin, in a cave, and haven't heard of Rabia, she is the relentless family friend of unconvicted Adnan Saeed. Rabia brought his murder file to Sarah Koenig, who turned it into the largest poppy podcast in infinity, Serial with an S. Now, for those of us who are crying into our keyboards about Adnan, those of us who think Adnan choked the love out of Heyman Lee, those of us who thought his life sentence was a life sentence, we have to nod to Rabia. She said she was going to do it, and she did it. She turned free Adnan t-shirts into We Freed Adnan shirts. But this great escape isn't the end of our story. A killer is out there, Adnan or other. And I've been kicked in the corn on Twitter this month defending my opinion and could only respond, who do you think did it? Because I still vote for the heartbroken ex-boyfriend who asked for a plea deal after he got arrested. Now, Twitter isn't the only gal who's mad at me about my stern opinion. This afternoon, I woke up to the sound of my track team trophies rattling above the fall fireplace as something shook onto the living room floor. I went upstairs to see who was mad at me. My mom just finished listening to the lawyer podcast and she was on her back in some mid-hip hot crotch thrust. She was doing keggles and spanks and looked at me with venom and said, Lividity, and thumped her core back to earth. Now I'm positive that she has a burner account and is messing with my emotions down here, tweeting about Don's alibi and diamond-shaped case clues. And for those of you who are sitting in the back seat and are super very confused right now, this murder mystery podcast was smashed into our lives in 2014. 12 episodes. My mom went fact harvesting after listening to Serial, and we're in therapy to try and use our kind words when brawling about trial transcripts and timelines. My mom's is the greatest, and what she is hearing me say today is that we can pleasantly disagree, continue to respectfully communicate, feel heard in our safe spaces, and set boundaries to discuss this case. Moms and I took a road trip recently. We re-binged cereal. Mom made me sit in the back seat and she rolled my window down every time I howled about something Sarah got wrong. I learned my lesson. Say less, stay warm. And then we each took turns talking between mile markers. I swear she slowed down when it was her turn between the green signs. Now, friends, I can't control the situation, but I can control my reaction. And now we're gonna try and find an audience sweet spot for this pod. Some folks think Adnan is guilty. Others believe he didn't get a fair trial. And others are positive that he's innocent. My mom's is positive that Adnan Saeed did not kill Heyman Lee on January 13th, 1999. Positive. I reminded mom's that she can't be positive about something that is possible. When she rolled the window back up 10 frosty frigid minutes later, she gave me her reasons. Mom said the Baltimore County prosecution timeline is impractical and they fed it to witnesses. She said the police only focused on Adnan. My birth canal also added that Jay lied and the cell tower data was not reliable for incoming calls. Mama said Adnan had an alibi. And then she yelled, Lividity, and honked the horn for my entire mile minute until it was her turn to talk again. It was so rude, but I was deeply proud of her. She said that it was obvious that Adnan was innocent, and if I couldn't see it, I must have gotten my father's bloody eyes. And I have no idea what she meant by this, but she said I was daft wrong and she's worried that she had a hole in her mucus plug when she was pregnant with me. She laughed at herself, so I will not Google this and give her the satisfaction, but I will address each of her pointy points. First, the timeline. 
Adnan and Hay dated and broke up in 1998. January 1st, 1999, Hay Min Lee has her first date with Don Kleindance, her new lens crafters fella. On January 12th, she writes in her diary that she's in love with Don. That night and into the morning, Adnan calls her twice. She doesn't answer, and at 12.35, she finally picks up. One minute and 24 seconds. Hay writes Adnan's number in her diary, just above where she scribbled Don's name 127 times. The next morning on the 13th, at 7.45, Adnan's to photography class. He asks Hay for a ride that day. Becky and Krista testify to it. Now Adnan tells Hay that he does not have a car, but he does have a car. 10.45, Adnan calls Jay and offers to loan him that very car. Between 10.45 and 1.27 p.m., Adnan and Jay are together, and I suggest medicating if you want to play Tetris and stack up their stories, but we know they were driving around late that morning. Jay claims this is the time where Adnan told him that he was going to kill Hay. Jay drops Adnan back at Woodlawn High, and Jay kept Adnan's phone and car. Adnan was back at class at 1.27 p.m. Asia McLean is at the library with a bookmark, 2.20 p.m. The state says Adnan got a ride from Hay in this window. Now Jay answers Adnan's phone around this time, 2.36 p.m., 3.15 p.m., 3.21 p.m. Jay says Adnan is calling to tell him that he needed to be picked up for murdering. 3.30 p.m. Hay is supposed to give her cousin a ride. She does not show up. We are worried at this point. 3.32, the Nisha call. Jay and Adnan speak to Nisha on Adnan's cell phone. Adnan's phone pings cell tower L651C, affirming Jay and Adnan are not at school during the time that Adnan says that he is at school without Jay. The reason this is so pissy and problematic for Adnan is because this is not one of those incoming AT&T calls. Nisha remembers receiving the call from Adnan. Adnan was not at school when he said he was at school. And this is the window where Jay says that he picks up Adnan from killing Hay. The Nisha call is at 3.32 for 2 minutes and 22 seconds. At 3.48, 3.59, 4.12, those are calls to Jay's people on Adnan's phone. And if you clap back that Jay must have had the phone alone, please remember forever that Nisha was a girl that Adnan just started getting warm with. Jay did not know Nisha. Adnan and Jay were together off campus during the window when Hay disappeared. Now Jay says he drops Adnan off at track late that afternoon, and no one can testify that Adnan was there on time. 5.14 p.m. Jay picks up Adnan from track practice. Adnan checks his voicemail. Adnan says his phone is in his possession from that point forward. 6.24 p.m. Hay is missing. Officer Adcock calls Adnan. Adnan says he was supposed to get a ride with Hay, but she must have gotten tired of waiting and left. Adnan and Jay are at Kathy. That's not her real names. Adnan is spooked. 7.09 and 7.16 p.m. are the Leakin Park pings. Adnan's phone smashed cell signals into the tiny tower at the park. One of those calls is from Jen, and she speaks to Adnan. That's very likely, maybe probably, when Hay is buried. 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., that's the time when Adnan might have remembered to forget that he was at the mosque. Adnan's phone is moving and making five calls. Adnan is not at the mosque. 8.30 p.m.-ish, Jen meets Adnan and Jay at the mall, throwing away shovels. Jay goes with Jen, wipes down shovels. Jay tells Jen that Adnan killed Hay. Mom. That's the timeline. It works. Someone told you it doesn't work. It works. Also, Adnan made 13 calls after he finds out Hay is missing, and although he phoned her three times the night before, Adnan never calls Hay once she disappears. PowerPoint number two. They only focused on Adnan, Mom says, as she focuses on my bald spot with elevator eyes and a smirk. 
Let's go, February 1st, 1999. Detectives are looking for a missing person, Hey Min Lee. They reach out to Adnan again about her last day. Adnan changes his story and says he didn't ask Hey for a ride because he had his own car. February 6, 1999, dogs searched the woods near Woodlawn Park using a sample from Heyman Lee's curling iron. They aren't focused on Adnan. They are looking for Hay. They email Hay from her own email account from her computer asking her if she's okay. February 9th, Heyman Lee's body is discovered by Mr. S, and Mr. S is interviewed for the first time. He is the suspect. Three days later, on February 12th, Two anonymous calls are made about Adnan, mentioning his friend Yasir Ali. If you think detectives zeroed in on Adnan, consider they still didn't go after his phone records at this point. February 15, 1999, police speak to Yasir Ali. The next day, police subpoena Adnan's cell phone records. February 18th, Mr. S is interviewed, polygraphed. Mr. S is a solid suspect after they subpoenaed Adnan's phone record. February 25th, 1999, Mr. S takes a second polygraph and passes. Still no blinders for Adnan. February 27th, Jen Pusateri is all over Adnan's call log for the day Hay disappeared. She is contacted. Jen is questioned with her mom and lawyer present. She gives them Jay and tells them Adnan strangled Hay, which was unknown to the public. February 28th, Jay tells detectives that Adnan killed Hay. He shows them where they ditched her car. Adnan is arrested hours after Jay's statement. They pick his fingerprints off a few spots in the car. They search his room and find a letter from Hay where he wrote, I'm going to kill. Mi madre. They did not frame Adnan. They did not focus on him alone. Anonymous calls gave them Adnan. His phone gave them Jen. Jen handed them Jay. Jay spilled Adnan's beans. Jay admitted to being an accessory to murder and to helping Adnan. That's why they focused on Adnan. Third mom point, Jay lied. There is a great argument to be made that everything Jay said in court could be disqualifying because of his vertigo-ish story. His tepid timeline is abstract and shifting. He lies and he lies about his lies. But Jay never wobbled on the worst part of seeing dead hay or helping to dump her corpse face down in Leakin Park with Adnan. He never recanted his role as an accessory to murder. He pled to a felony. Jay Wilds is still a felon. He was labeled a snitch and a narc, and he got slapped by his girlfriend's mom. And he didn't do that for a reward or because he was afraid of a drug charge. He did it because he helped a friend cover up a murder. And it is clear that the detectives were coaching him in his interviews, and that's wrong. And it's reason for an acquittal or a new trial. But it doesn't make Adnan innocent. Jay being a liar doesn't mean Adnan is innocent. It means they're both liars. You can make a good argument that Jay was more involved in Hayes' murder than he admits. But you can't make a good argument that cops found Hayes' car, left it, decided to frame the honor student by using an anonymous call to get to Jen, to get to drug dealing Jay, to make up a story to frame his friendly friend Adnan. If you think Jay is lying, you have to believe Jen lied first, and that's creative. That's fiction. And this is where we do this dangerous thing. We say, I know Adnan is innocent because Jay lied about where he saw Hay in the trunk. I know Adnan is innocent because Jay changed the timeline. You tweeted at me, if I was going to kill someone, I wouldn't tell Jay. Well, we can't do the why would and the if I thing. People do crazy things. Someone did a crazy thing there. We feel like we know Adnan. We do not know Adnan. And if Jay is guilty, Adnan's guilty. Rabia used to blame him saying Jay Day, 
but she shifted and now she says he had nothing to do with it. Jay has had every chance to clear his name recently, but Jay continues to admit to his guilt. Mama point four. I'm on a family plan with mom, so it's ticklish to talk about cell phones, but we need to. Okay, say it with me. You have to fit it into 140 characters. Adnan is innocent because Rabia discovered outgoing calls are only reliable for location status. Any incoming call will not be considered reliable information for location. That's the AT&T cover letter question that made it to the appellate level for Adnan to twist up his conviction, but no new trial was given. The FBI even accused Adnan's team of presenting false documents in the case. Serial Sarah Caney released a statement on this. The tower information was accurate. This was all reviewed and rejected in Adnan's appeal in 2016. The appellate court was not in on framing Adnan. They listened to experts, not podcasts. Yell at me on Twitter and I'll send you FBI agent Chad Fitzgerald's confirmation testimony that the cell phone tower info is legit. We know that Adnan's phone was not with him on campus during the Nisha call at 322. He placed that call. We know Adnan's phone was not at the mosque when he said he was at the mosque. And we know Adnan's phone pinged off a tiny tower in Leakin Park at 7.09 and 7.16 p.m. Cell signals are not pinballing from Adnan's back pocket from the mosque off the moon and onto a small tiny tower in the park where Hay's body was buried. Over 37 days, Adnan's phone only hit that tower three times in 650 calls and two of those were 7.09 and 7.16 p.m. burial pings. Adnan's phone was not at the mosque. But my mom isn't nearly done. She said Adnan has an alibi. Remember, hair tight alibi. We can't solve this woman. She might be messing with my emotions. Hair tight. Asia McLean is not an alibi. Asia was a friend of Adnan's. She wrote him letters in prison to remind him that she had seen him on the 13th. This made it to the appellate court also, but a few things. The judge called the letter a fabrication at least 15 times. Please read it. Teenage Asia wrote, I hope that you're not guilty, and a I want to hope to death that you have nothing to do with it. If so, I will try my best to help you account for some of your unwitnessed, unaccountable lost time, 2.15 to 8, January 13th. Asia put 2.15 to 8. The judge wasn't having it. Her boyfriend never testified. Adnan didn't mention seeing Asia after he was locked up. It's not good. But even if it was good, Adnan still could have met Hay after being in the library. But the judge said it was a fake letter. And Asia remembered that day specifically because the next day was a snow day. But the next day wasn't a snow day. And then two of Asia's classmates gave statements that she told them that she was going to lie for Adnan. And then Asia said those girls were crazy. These are teenage human people. This is a mess. Next, Mama Mia says Adnan was at track. That's his alibi. Well, he might have been. Jay said he drove him there late. But Coach Sai couldn't say if he was there and couldn't say if he was there on time. It's not an alibi. Coach Sai testified it's not an alibi. Next, Adnan's dad said he was at the mosque. A long list of friends were going to say that he was there also, and then they didn't. Adnan's phone wasn't at the mosque if he was, and he said he was with his phone. Mommy dearest? Adnan does not have an alibi. Now, warrior one pose, in through the nose, breathe out, lividity. Lividity is the bluish purple skin discoloration that occurs after death when blood pools from gravity. My friends, I do not know much about lividity. You and my mom and maybe probably Rabia do not know much about lividity. 
The doctor who examined Hay's body knows about lividity. And for those of you lucky enough to not know what I'm talking about, Bravia's undisclosed podcast proclaims that Adnan is innocent because of the diamond-shaped marks and lividity on Hay's body that appear in crime scene photos. They believe she was kidnapped and her body was somewhere, somehow, with someone, and those marks prove it. Lividity hasn't been part of any of the appeals. It's not why Adnan got out. It doesn't prove he's innocent, Mom. It doesn't melt the state's case. It's a three-lawyer podcast creation. Body and Baltimore temperatures and victim size and health those all impact lividity. Our moms and their legal teams can't look at a photo and declare accurately that Adnan is innocent because of pooled blood. It's silly of us. This was brought up and battled about at Adnan's trial, and Adnan was convicted. The experts disagreed. In almost every case, experts disagree. Fires, shaken babies, time of death, cause of death, and lividity. We often accept the expert that fits our original belief. That's the confirmation bias we snarl about. So tennis moms on Twitter with full frontal fixed lividity, let us please stop. Mi madre, por favor. The timeline, cops only looked at Adnan, Jay lied, cell tower trouble, hair tight alibi, lividity. Mama, you got these bricks from Rabia and you built a community with them. Rabia has picked apart the prosecution and slashed the state's case against Adnan. Rabia has marketed a bunch of bull at points that have been torpedoed at us on Twitter and our moms whisper them into the intercom as I'm taking a bath in the basement. But Rabia might have been a wee wobbly with the truth as she inspired you to heal me. And she sparked you to pee in my waterfall when you tweeted into me, Hey hon, have you tried listening to Undisclosed? Yes. The problem with Undisclosed is that it's really good and thorough, and it filters through the dross of the prosecution's case as a defense team does, and it claims to prove Adnan is innocent. And mom chopped down hard, and maybe you did too, and now you're backbiting with bluebirds every time I tweet you an article. For months, we've listened and engaged with anonymous Twitter friends, and then it seemed as if I met a celebrity when Rabia jumped onto a thread after I posted a link about Don Kleindens, Hayes' new boyfriend, when she disappeared. Rabia regularly punts Don into rush hour traffic, nudging the carpool lane to believe he probably killed Hay. But when the HBO special was in production a few years ago, they vetted Don just as the police did. It's not Don. He was investigated. He was cleared. So when I tweeted the Washington Post article crushing the crack claims that it was him, Rabia threw a haymaker under me. We know it's you, Don. Someone else jumped in from the top rope and insulted my grandfather. I jumped back on, and in my unfinest moment, I told him that Don and I said hello to his mother. He spun back. My mom said you and Don didn't last a minute. To which I replied, that's because we were listing all the reasons Adnan is innocent. To which he said, well played, my new friend. And then Rabia blocked me. Yes, I listened to Undisclosed. No, it doesn't prove Adnan is innocent. It proves we dangerously believe what smart, passionate people say when they make good points about a wonky criminal justice system and a rash of delinquent detectives. Those things happen, and those things can be true even when the nice kid kills his girlfriend. Of course they're going to tell you the defense's side. They aren't going to tell you about Coach Sai's testimony. Coach Sai could not testify to Adnan being at track. They aren't going to tell you that the Nisha call happened and that the claim that it's of ass style is ridiculous. 
They're going to distract you with inconsequential points about a porn store. They aren't going to tell you that Adnan tried to use the Nisha call as an alibi. 3.32 p.m. Nisha call. That's the time Adnan's cell dialed his friend in Silver Spring, Maryland. And that was not an incoming call. At that time, Hay was missing. Adnan's phone was not at school like he said. And a quick review before you tweet yell at me about the rest. Adnan is arrested on February 28th. Eight days later on March 8th, Adnan's private investigator, Andrew Davis, drives 100 miles round trip to talk to Nisha. Now consider this. Adnan was trying to use the Nisha call as an alibi. Adnan had his detective go and talk to Nisha because he believed it proved that he was not with Hay. And when Adnan found out the call was incriminating because it took him off of campus and that Jay had rolled, it became the famous 2 minute and 22 second butt dial from Jay. Now there have been middle fingers pointed at other suspects over the years by Rabia and her team. And here's the quick awful thing that has happened. Hayes' boyfriend Don Kleindens is not a suspect. If you want to ruin my childhood, tweet at me that Don has no alibi. Goodness good people, you think that Adnan was convicted because folks jumped to conclusions and followed fake facts? And then you trust a podcaster who says Don's mom changed his lens crafter time card to cover up the murder of a girl he just started dating? You say he didn't talk to the police until 1am, forgetting that this is 1999, people with mullets are calling people with bangs back on boxy beige landlines and cordless phones with antennas? They were still smoking in restaurants back then. It was a different planet. It's not Don. HBO dug into it when they were trying to free Adnan. It's not Don. And it's an awful thing to embrace. My mom is doing the same thing to Don that she wished others had not done to Adnan. It's not Don. And it's not a serial killer. And in my earlier version of this podcast, I remind you that it wasn't Mr. S, the P guy. But I need to add a bookmark here, and you know why. We'll circle back around. And it's not J-Day. And we return to the question, who did it? Well, in the summer of 2022, we knew there was more DNA tests coming. But for those of us who firmly believed Adnan was guilty, we didn't expect any high highlights. So when we slid the last episode out of the basement bunny hole in June... The whodunit was for Reddit and Rabia's Twitter. Adnan wasn't getting out, we were the jury. And while we were switching back and forth on our Cat Lady Burner accounts, things happened. This momentum starts with President Obama's Supreme Court ruling that juvenile life sentences could be reviewed, then a bunch of people watched The Wire on HBO, and finally Baltimore City State Attorney Marilyn Mosby created a sentencing review unit. And in October 2021, the Juvenile Restoration Act gave prosecutors the option to reduce sentences for the minors who served over 20 years. And Rabia got Adnan's file on the top of the top of the table. And in this blender review of Heyman Lee's murder, we heard that two newish suspects emerged. And as we refreshed Reddit to find out who they were, we only got hints. A lie detector guy and a sex offender. And then last month, Adnan escaped prison through the unlocked front court door of injustice, he snuck right out and Rabia Chaudhry was there with the Brady Bunch to greet him. Freed Adnan. This was a historically unusual move. Baltimore County's Mosby didn't consult with the state boss, Brian Frosch, and Frosch was pissed. The big, big deal was a mysterious Brady violation. That's basically where before the trial, the prosecution doesn't turn something over to the defense that might have cleared the suspect. Recently, Frosch, the state guy, said Adnan was guilty, that they had given Adnan's team everything. He said there was no Brady violation. But it didn't matter. Adnan was free. 
A few of us reminded Twitter that he probably, maybe, potentially, definitely was still guilty. And we were dodging darts and Twitter bluebirds in our replies. And my mom said to me in all caps, Honey, the prosecutor wouldn't have let him go unless he was innocent. Well, it's worth wondering about the prosecutor who set him free in this wild way. Marilyn Mosby was not re-elected for 2023 as Baltimore's chief prosecutor, and her federal trial for perjury and fraud was set to start the week she handed Adnan the keys. It's ticklish timing. Her trial got delayed, rescheduled for the new year. Regardless, it really happened. Adnan walked out, and we were all there. If you've seen the Rorschach photo of Adnan that afternoon, it's truly remarkable after all these years in downvotes. Some see a hero, others see a child killer being celebrated. It was a wild scene. Outside the court, there were a bunch of proud activists and Rabia and horny, hungry women waiting to see if Adnan read their love letters and recipes. And there are a few intense interviews and an iconic photo. And then right there is Sarah Caning from Serial, squatting and holding a mic. And at this point, you've really got to think about supporting public radio. Sarah banged out the most popular podcast of all time, helped free a man, and she's holding her own microphone. Ira, can we get an intern? No intern. Ira Glass is done with this, but the state was not. Frosch and his team were trying to find a map back to prison when Mosby moved again. The DNA. And if the story you heard was that Adnan was released because of new DNA, you missed the movie. The DNA results came after Adnan was released on the Brady violation. These DNA tests were done on Hayes' shoes, but those shoes were found in the trunk of her car, not in the grave. We don't know if she was wearing them when she was killed. My mom says, but there was a DNA match, and we remind her that Hayes' DNA wasn't found on her own shoes. We don't know much about these kicks. The touch DNA could have come from someone that handled the shoes in the investigation or something that she walked through. It doesn't mean Adnan is innocent. Jay said Adnan wore red gloves and red fibers were found on Hay, and we're back to wondering about J-Day. Mom, this doesn't prove Adnan is innocent. These shoes weren't tested in 1999 because they were in the trunk. The killers didn't drag her by her feet, bury her, and then bring her shoes back to the car in the dark. And lack of DNA on trunk shoes certainly doesn't clear Adnan, but Marilyn Mosby did. In another wild move, as Frosch and the state were wiggling through a loophole to try and get a new judge for an appeal, Mosby rushed to dismiss the charges. This is chess and checkers and poker all over again. Rabia raised hell and hope by telling us that Baltimore's crooked prosecutor had gotten Adnan locked up in 1999, and then Rabia somehow connected with a crooked prosecutor to release him. The way Adnan was set free, this isn't one in a million. This is a million's million. Now, some think Adnan is deservedly free. Others are pining for a do-over. Some have hedged that 23 years is consistent for juveniles. And many just want to find out who the new suspects are. Friends, it's not Don. Don't touch me there. The two new suspects mentioned by Mosby have nothing to do with the DNA on the shoes. This is about the Brady violation and nakedness. The mystery men are Mr. S, that's the P guy, and Bilal. First, Mr. S. He's the guy that found Hay's body 127 feet into the woods. That's not as far as it seems. That's the distance between home plate, second base, and your summer softball league. Mr. S is the streaker, the creeper, the forest pisser, the pea guy. It's not Mr. S. He has an alibi, no motive, no connectivity. He has a relative that lives near where Hay's car was found, but you can make that connection to thousands of people. And the way he found her body is bizarre, but it doesn't make sense that it's Mr. S. He's not a legit suspect. 
but he has kept streaking and freaking. He is an interesting cat, but save your tweets for the second half. There's no there there with Mr. S. The other suspect is Bilal, and this gets greasy grimy. Bilal was Adnan's mentor at the mosque. They met when he was 11 years old. Adnan's family trusted him and they should not have. Bilal was a pedophile with a unique affection for Adnan. Bilal helped Adnan get the cell phone the day before Hay disappeared. Bilal was Adnan's first call from prison. Bilal raised money for Adnan to get a lawyer. Bilal was part of the grand jury investigation that led to Adnan's charges. A grand jury is kind of a trial preseason. Only the prosecution presents evidence and Bilal was called to testify. Now Bilal declined to answer any questions at first, but after every one, he went in the hall to consult his attorney, Christina Gutierrez, and to tell her what he was asked. At first, Bilal did not answer questions because the police suggested he might be guilty of a crime with Adnan's case. The state said they weren't investigating him, so he couldn't plead the fifth. Bilal had to answer, and Adnan was brought to trial. Now for those of you who still yell J-Day, please remember, Jay wasn't called to the grand jury. They brought charges through testimony of Bilal and others. Bilal then insisted that Christina Gutierrez, yes, that Christina Gutierrez, represent Adnan for his murder trial. The state opposed, and Bilal and Adnan wrote letters dismissing their rights protected in that conflict. But in that letter, Bilal said he did not give away the attorney-client privilege about things he told Christina Gutierrez in confidence. Now stick with me, this is crazy. Bilal's five-day testimony was critical in bringing Adnan to trial, and then he somehow got Adnan to take on his attorney to defend him. But that attorney couldn't ask Bilal anything that he told her in confidence. And now that guy is one of the two new suspects that helped free Adnan. It's another crazy, soggy piece of the puzzle. And the extra? After Bilal's appearance at the grand jury, the detective subpoenaed his phone records. That's something special. Besides Adnan's father, Bilal was also Adnan's only alibi witness who was going to testify that Adnan was at the mosque the night that Hay disappeared. Bilal was going to swear that he was with Adnan, proving Adnan could not have been in the park bearing Hay with Jay. And that would have been a lie. But just before Adnan's trial, Bilal's wife suspected awfulness, phoned him in, and he was found in a van with a 14-year-old refugee boy. Pants were down, there was a jar of Vaseline, and when the cops searched Bilal, they found Adnan's photo in his wallet. Bilal never testified for Adnan. Many years later, Bilal became a dentist and was arrested for sexually assaulting unconscious male patients, and he is serving at least 16 and a half years. Bilal is the second suspect that was mentioned in Adnan's release last month. You will have to do some hot goat yoga to stretch an explanation of how Bilal is involved if Adnan is not. Bilal got him the phone, was his first call from prison, frequent visitor, brought the refugee boy he was assaulting with him one time, got him the lawyer, five-day grand jury testimony, had his own phone subpoenaed. It's not good for Adnan. Wildly, we have the letter that led to Adnan's release through the Brady violation. Either Bilal's wife or her attorney called the prosecutor, Kevin Urich. Urich took notes on the call, and Adnan's team claims that they never got that note. Since they didn't have a chance to read it, that's the Brady violation. Well, let's read this madness. The names are redacted, but we are 99.999 sure that it is Bilal. The letter starts, She's very scared. It has Bilal's wife's name. Continues. Has some legitimate fears. Prior to the murder, Bilal was upset the woman was causing so many problems for Adnan. He told her he would make her disappear. 
he would kill her. Admits Bilal makes grandiose statements. Very high opinion of himself, so she did not necessarily take him seriously. Another witness, Wiles J, he was involved in burial of the body. Aware Bilal saying, Bilal got confidential information from Adnan's case. Bilal would talk to Christine, with Bilal and Adnan when body was found. Both talked about police ability to determine time of death. Asked about her experience determining time of death. That's it. That's the letter. That's the letter that freed Adnan. The very crazy, super crazy, crazy thing is that this letter got Adnan his freedom on a technicality, but it also points to his guilt. Bilal's wife is saying that Adnan and Jay buried the body. Bilal's wife, who's a doctor, is saying that Adnan and Bilal were asking her if the police could determine a time of death. The author of the note, Kevin Urich, the old prosecutor, says that this letter is about Adnan threatening Hay. Adnan's team says that it's about Bilal threatening Hay. Well, let's ungum our ear holes in here. It says, prior to the murder, Bilal was upset the woman was causing so many problems for Adnan. He told her he would make her disappear. He would kill her. Well, it's a pronoun war. Bilal didn't know Hay, but again, Prior to the murder, Bilal was upset the woman was causing so many problems for Adnan. He told her he would make her disappear. He would kill her. That's it. That's the line. The man who wrote the note says that he threatened to kill was Adnan. Adnan would make her disappear. Adnan would kill her. Adnan's team says Bilal is the he who would kill Hay. So, Bilal told his wife he would make Hay disappear. Bilal would kill her. Or... Bilal told Hay he would make her disappear. Bilal would kill her. Or, Bilal told his wife he would make his wife disappear. He would kill her. Or, Bilal told his wife Adnan would make Hay disappear. Adnan would kill her. Or, Adnan told Bilal's wife he would make Hay disappear. And thoughts and prayers and free hugs to anyone trying to figure this out. It's confusing. But Adnan is free. His supporters celebrate his innocence. The others point to that innocence sprouting from a letter that proved he killed Heyman Lee. Adnan looks more guilty as a free man than he did when he was locked up. Well, if that's not confusing enough, my mom has been speed dating all the reasons it wasn't Adnan, but now she thinks it was Bilal, so we've got to take a look. Last episode, we zipped through suspects with a story, and we need to add Bilal, but we'll return with Adnan. Well, the timeline works, the cell data is legit, Adnan has no alibi, lividity is fiction, Jay is a felon for helping him do it. Second, J. If it's J Day, Adnan is guilty. They were together. Third, Mr. S, the P guy. Mr. S is one of the new suspects named. It's not Mr. S. It is worth mentioning that Mr. S's sister-in-law worked at Woodlawn High, and it's possible that word got out through J or Adnan or Jen that that's where Hay's body was, and that they sent the crazy streaker uncle to check it out. Yes, that's possible. But Mr. S isn't your killer. Number four, Don. It's not Don. Behave yourself. Number five, serial killer. It's mostly very impossible, but it's possible. Number six, what about Bilal? Well, let's try and tell a story. Bilal is in love with Adnan. He finds out that Hay knows about his pedophilia. Once Hay breaks up with Adnan, Bilal feels vulnerable that his secret might get out. So he helps Adnan get a phone so that he can comfort Adnan once he kills Hay. He tells Adnan to spend the day with Jay because he knows Jay has comfort weed. Bilal pages Hay, and even though they don't know each other, she agrees to meet him, and she doesn't tell anyone. Bilal kills her, 
and Bilal is actually a secret DEA informant, so the police can't have him in jail, and they frame Adnan by working in reverse through the anonymous caller, then to Jen, and then to Jay. And Jay figures out he's getting framed, and he flips it on Adnan, and Jen helps because it's too late to turn back now. I've got no religion about Bilal's involvement here, but it's goofy to believe Bilal did this without Adnan. Anything is possible, but what is overwhelmingly probable is that Adnan had a lead role in Heyman Lee's death, and that Jay and or Bilal were more involved than we know, and the detectives believe Adnan did it and shaped their case to get a conviction against a guilty teen, not to frame one. My mom believes in Adnan because she heard his facts first, and because she trusts her gut, and she cares about justice, and she looks for the best in others. And better 99 guilty than an innocent jailed. But Adnan is guilty. And criminally, there are innocent people in jail. But misrepresenting Adnan's case on podcasts murks up that reality. It's not the famous cases of Adnan and Scott Peterson creating injustices. It's the ones we don't take the time to learn about because we fight about lividity. Now, if you are still undecided about this case, do this for the planet. Come back in a few years and see if there are any new suspects. And there won't be. And then let it all go for infinity the way that I can't. Now, it's bedtime. Gonna go hug my moms. And you should too if you can. Your mom, not mine. And for those of you who are still on her side here, please know that you line up with a woman who has told me since I was five years old that I have a twin brother who gets to live in Hawaii with cheerleaders because he cleaned his room and did his chores. That's my mom. Bye.